it's Fourth of July weekend, and it seems like we've gotten a lot in our holidays in the United States where we we spend a lot of time um, probably dealing more with it. We're off work, right? I mean, let's just be honest. We holidays um, around freedom and things like that have have started just becoming more about hey we're off work and it's time for barbecue and and uh, whatever it is you're going to get done around the house and um, all over the country today there will be uh, there will be ministers doing some version of of freedom and and talking about that and a lot of them will will talk very um, Americanized in that which is is great because I mean that's what Fourth of July is is about us celebrating our independence. Um, but while that's wonderful, everybody has that, but everybody's not going to heaven. Okay. So, so if that's the only freedom that we have, um, here, then that's not enough. That's not effective for us in, in our spiritual lives. So we're going to talk a little more about uh, freedom, but from uh, a more holistic standpoint, yes, we're, we have a lot of freedoms here in America, but we want to talk about how that, that our spiritual freedom and our political freedom, our public freedom, or whatever, how those things tie, tie together. Um, because quite honestly, if we, if we really think about it, um, there is, there's a massive amount of even slavery that still exists today. Um, actually, one of the major areas that that is happening is in the sex trafficking industry. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of people that are being trafficked. Um, I watched an, um, a, a video recently where uh, there was a conversation they were talking about said that you could fill up every one of, so all the football fans will get this, everybody else just think that it's a big number. Um, <laughs> SEC football fans, all of the bowls, like Peach Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, all those bowls, they said you literally could fill every one of those bowls up with the number of college students that are currently involved in some form of sex trafficking, either of themselves or of other people, in order to support a drug habit in the United States right now. Right now, existing college students. There is a lot of people that are not free. I just I just saw this week, um, and I can't remember. I don't remember if it was up around Gadsden, but it was somewhere here nearby because I saw it on some local uh, news stuff online that that there were a handful of people that were busted for sex trafficking, and um, uh, Tusca was it Tuscaloosa? And, and there's like I, there was this list. They had this list on there, and then I saw another one that was up um, north. And it was a children's pastor at a church. It was some other people. And then there were, there were five or six ladies that were in their 20s. One that was in her 30s. They just had the names listed. And it was all these people that were trying to solicit, because um, we're, we're all adults in here, adult enough. They were trying to solicit uh, sexual activity with minor girls. Because I'm telling you, there is stuff where people are... I-20 is actually one of the largest in the country as far as trafficking people back and, and forth. And we don't even... Sometimes we don't even think anything about this stuff because it hasn't maybe necessarily hit home with us. There are people that are not free. That's my point today. 
That's my, that's my opening salvo here is there are people that are not free. That's in one way, but we're going to talk about some other ways that people are not free. But I want us to look at John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36 to begin with. It ties right into the tail end of that video. Here's what it says. Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Let's pray over the word. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us of what your son Jesus Christ came to do. And God, very straightforward and very simply, that he whom the Son sets free is really free, is free indeed. And so God, we're going to give you all the praise. We're going to ask you to open our hearts and open our minds today to be able to see ways that we maybe have not even thought about that we don't have freedom in some areas of our lives, but that you want to provide that freedom for us. And God, I pray that people are going to be set free today going forward. We pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have you ever paid off a debt? Anybody? Have you ever paid off? All right, this is the, you, you got to participate with me today. This, this is almost like Sunday school class. Have you ever paid off a debt? Yes. All right, yeah, that's what I'm talking about now. See, Jason's yelling. Um, it, it may be something like a car. You may have paid off a small, small loan, some other kind of debt that you had to pay you know, every single month. How'd you feel when you paid that off? Good. That's what it just good. Freedom. What else? Anything else? How'd you feel you paid that off? Relief. Relief. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I can remember, I actually had somebody one time. I didn't have a whole lot left on it. Michelle and I uh, had been married for a while and, and, um, and the company that I was with was considering closing. I mean, it was, it was a tough time. And I had somebody come alongside and said, look, we know you owe, you know, several hundred dollars left on your truck, probably about four or five payments, something like that. And I and, uh, said, I'm going down, and I'm actually, I'm going to pay it off today. And I was like, I started crying. I was at work, and they called, I started crying. Yes, I cried. It's okay. You know? Because, hey, I was sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, you know what? Maybe you remember what that feeling was. I, I want you to take, take, take just a moment. I want you to think about that. If you paid off some kind of debt, I want you to kind of try to reflect back to that. And that moment that, that you wrote that last check or, you know, you, uh, you went in and paid that off. And kind of, I want you to get that feeling for a minute. I want you to get that feeling. Maybe... Uh, maybe when that happened, you started thinking about now, what am I going to be able to do that I have that money available every month? I, I've got that money. Maybe you're just going, I don't want to have to do anything with it. I just like to be able to not be so tight and, and, and struggling or whatever it was. Or, or maybe, maybe there's something you had in mind that, okay, now I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to do this for the kids. or I'm going to be able to do something else. I, I, I reminded myself that, you know, I think it was just I breathed a sigh of relief that it was done. It, it was over. And I, I didn't have to worry about that one. You know, if something were to happen, you know, with my job or if something was to happen with your health. But, but most all of us, we know in some way what it feels like to get free from some kind of debt. In the same way, 
most of us know a similar feeling when you got free from some kind of burden. And let's, let's talk about what that is. Um, maybe you had a conflict between you and somebody in your family or you and a friend. And y'all know what happens. Everybody says stuff that they really shouldn't say. Now, later on, you end up saying things like, well, I didn't mean that. Oh, yes, you did. You just let it come out. You know, I mean, let's tell the truth. You normally said some stuff. You know you shouldn't mean it, but you probably did mean it, and that's why you kind of said it. Even though you're telling yourself, I know I shouldn't have said that, and I probably shouldn't have thought that. But, but so that conflict ends up happening, or um, maybe you just did something wrong to somebody. Um, you gossiped about them. You said something that, that damaged uh, another situation for them. Whatever it was, it created some kind of break in, in a relationship. Uh, maybe you were untruthful. Maybe you neglected them in some way. Maybe you were the person that that was done to. Maybe somebody did you that way, and it's created this break in the relationship. Because honestly, uh, if even if you're the person that does the action, sometimes later on you start to think through and you regret it, and you begin to carry that, and you kind of bear the weight of you know, man, I really messed this up. I messed up this this relationship I've had for a long time, you know, with a friend or whatever. Um, maybe it cost you your job. You, but if you're the person that's done too, you carry that weight as well. Every time that, that something happens, if it was a close friend, that y'all did a lot of stuff together, when something happens that you would have called them and told them about it or you would have gone and done it with them, it reminds you of this damaged relationship. So you carry that burden with you all the time. A lot of people, you know, sometimes that's short-term. They carry that day-to-day. Sometimes it's long-term. People have gone years. They've literally gone years with some issue, with some uh, break in a relationship or whatever that, that they have had to deal with, and you've been carrying that burden for so long. I actually didn't put this on notes, but God just reminded me of something. Uh, when, when Michelle went to have surgery... Um, well, what, she had twice this year. And I made the statement to her because she told the doctor when she was going to, uh, when he was preparing for the first surgery, he was asking her, how bad do you feel? How bad do you feel? And she was like, ah, you know, ah. And she said, you know, I, I mean, yeah, there's some certain times when I don't feel that good. But, and I said, I guarantee you, you have gotten so accustomed to this, that it's the new norm for you. And so now you only react to things when it goes way outside that new norm, which used to would have been the reaction point. You used to be here, and you would have reacted to this. Now you live here, and you don't react unless it's this. And so, you know, going to have the surgery done and, and try to get that stuff resolved is going to shift to a new norm and maybe get you back to where you don't have some of those issues. You don't realize how tired you are. Even though you know you're tired, you don't realize how much you're off from where you maybe would have been you know, years ago. Sometimes that's the way things are in our lives, whether it's relationship stuff, whether it's debt, whether it's a bad job, whatever it is, it becomes normal to us, and we just operate in it, and we've adapted to it, and we don't realize what freedom would feel like. Because we've so long been imprisoned by 
the situation that we don't remember. I was about to leave a job at one point, and I remember uh, one of the guys, I, I, I was just working some crazy stuff. We'll talk about it a little bit later in here on another point, but a guy made a comment to me that was on our corporate side, and he came to me and he said, Nathan, don't forget that every company's not like this. But you've been here long enough that you've just accepted this is the way it is. And he said, I'm telling you, it's not really this way everywhere. See, we forget. We forget what freedom's like because we try to adapt so that we can get through, so that we can survive. Sometimes that's gone on year after year for people and Maybe anymore they don't even realize that they're not free. All of those scenarios or examples of that and not having freedom. You know, last week I talked about God, uh, you allowing God to truly be the Lord over the different areas of your lives. You know, we talked about, you know, if you had to get your wallet out at the end of the service um, to, to put your hand on your wallet and say, God, I need you to be Lord over my finances. We weren't taking up an offer or nothing like that, you know. If, or if you, had to, if you had to get your phone out, Lord, I need you to be you know, over and in charge of what I look at and the things that I text and I tweet and I say and I post and whatever it is, you know, the, the conversations I have on the phone, God, you need to be Lord of those things. That was a choice. That was a choice that we make to surrender. But this week, what we're going to talk about is focusing on the result of that choice and seeing what it looks like in getting set free then because we allow Him to be Lord over things in our lives. So I want us to, to focus on a connection that exists between freedom or the lack of freedom in our personal lives and then experiencing freedom in our spiritual lives. Y'all with me? Let's check and see if you're awake. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right, all right. I'm just I'm checking on you. How many of you have ever been in a bad job? <laughs> <laughs> just for the fun of doing it again. How many of you have ever been in a bad job? Everybody's like, oh. I mean, now it may have been some level. I'm not even going to ask how many of you are in a bad job right now, you know. Um, or, but, you know, at some point you've, been, you've had a bad job. It may have been bad for different reasons. It may have been bad because of the people that, that were at the job. Job may have been all right, but it was some terrible people that you had to work with. I've had the opposite. You know, it might be that the people were wonderful, but the job, the expectations, that, that was terrible. It was, it was tough. How many of you ever had... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide behind the pulpit when I... I'm going to turn around this way. How many of you ever had a bad relationship? <laughs> okay. I mean, because we're not talking about you just a marriage relationship or anything like that. This could be... It might, it, it might have been a friendship that turned out bad. It might be a work relationship, whatever it is. You know, you've had a bad relationship. So... so it looked like everybody's pretty much had a bad job before, and everybody's had some kind of relationship that went bad. It may have come back good. It, it, it may have never come back good. I don't know. But, so you've experienced some of that stuff. Here's the final question about both of those. Have you ever noticed how those situations affect the other areas of your life? I think sometimes we don't realize how... That one thing over in an area of our life where, where we're not free in that, we're bound up in that, how much it affects everything else. We're going to talk about that here for just a moment. But I want to, here's a personal thing. 
I had a bad job situation several years ago. Um, I've, I've, I refer to it off and on because it's like my, it's like my, my moment. But um, I was working 90 to 100 hours every week while at the same time I was on staff at another church. I was serving as a Sunday school teacher. I was the music, music minister at the same time. So on, I was working 90 to 100 hours a week. Then I would go into church on Sunday morning, be prepared to teach a Sunday school class for an hour, then come out and, and do, do worship, you know, lead worship. I was playing, playing piano and leading worship. And, uh, and our practice was like here. It's on Sunday morning because everything was so tight the rest of the week, and I didn't have any time the rest of the week. Uh, we were three, 400 people. And, um, and, so, and even initially when we first started doing it, I still had a choir. Still had a choir, so I was trying to direct a choir and, and a musicians and a front line of singers. And we were doing small group ministry on Sunday nights. So, and I was the small group pastor. And, and, that's, and, and Bird was one of our small group leaders. And Rusty Reed that's come here several times, he and Leslie, they were our other small group leaders. And so, so I, would, I would work seven days a week. I would, I would go into church on Sunday morning. I would find time somehow throughout the week. I don't remember when I really slept, but um, I'd have Sunday school lesson ready because uh, I love teaching and I, I love God's Word. And, and then we'd, um, we'd have practice first. We'd get there early and have, have music practice, choir and all that stuff, and then go to Sunday school, and I'd teach Sunday school then. So we'd have an hour of music practice, go do an hour of, of Sunday school, and then I'd come back and do an hour of, of actual leading in service, Leave, leave service after it was over, go to work, be at the plant until it was time to go to small group, go to small group, and then go check on the plant before I went home. That was bad enough. But then it turned out that the general manager was sleeping with the HR manager who worked for him, but I knew her husband and her son. It was tough. It was an ugly, ugly situation. It, it was frustrating. I had to go in every day dealing with the reality of excessive number of hours, and I've got the person I report to is having an inappropriate relationship with another person who reports to him, and I know her husband. And the plant knows. And everybody's talking, and everybody's denying. And you're just trying to be Jesus. In the light of the darkness. <laughs> but here's what I, I realized and what I learned. The frustrations made me more irritable. The frustrations made me where I would be irritable even toward people that had nothing to do with the issue, right? I didn't sleep well. I worried about the job. I worried about my job. I worried about my people. I worried about the business itself. I worried about the families that were involved, including in that weird relationship going on that ended up with a split marriage and all that. At the end of the day, it was affecting every area of my life. It was making it hard. I, I was... You really couldn't, you couldn't linger with God anywhere. I had to sleep at some point. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just telling you myself because somewhere you've gone through something. You've experienced some relationship, some job, some situation that if you admitted it, it was like getting a rock in your shoe. It's little, 
in comparison to the whole of your life, but it becomes something that affects your whole life because once you start limping, it's bad. You bruise up and, and then you start limping and then if you limp long enough, that affects stuff because you start trying to compensate. Your body tries to compensate and, and now all of a sudden you'll start hurting on the opposite side of your body because you're doing something that's unnatural. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? This is confession day today. I'm just telling you. It's hard to be bound in one area of your life and not be bound in others. I almost did an example today, but, but you know, I'd had to been picking on Jason, and I'm, you know, hey, I can't pick on my guy that's my last musician that was here with me while everybody's gone. Because I was going to get some duct tape. And we were going to kidnap him. No, I'm just kidding. But I want you to get this mental image, though, of, of something similar. Because I want you to think about this, because this is really what the example that I, that I realized that it is like our lives in this scenario. If, if we took Jason right now, because he's got on shoes that have, that have laces, that, that's even great, because I, I don't have shoes on with laces today. If we took Jason, we took some duct tape, and we made him put his hands together like so, and we duct taped his wrist and, and part of his hand together. We left his fingers out. We'll leave his thumbs and his fingers out. But we duct tape them together pretty tightly. Can he still walk? Yeah, this, I promise there's no trick questions today. Yes, he can still walk, right? So, so can he, could he kick something if he needed to? Yeah. 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 Can he talk? Yeah. yeah. Can he see? Yeah. yeah. These are easy questions. Can he hear? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, really, he could, he could clobber something if he needed to. You know, because I mean, even though his hands are, are, but he could, but now let's think about this. How hard would it be though, if I said, now I want you to untie your shoes, take them off, and then I want you to put them back on in time. It'd be difficult, not impossible, right? Because we didn't tape his fingers up. We just kind of bound him up right here. So, so, I mean, you're going to, that's going to be pretty tough because if you think about when you start tying, you know, shoelaces, you you get your finger there. Different people do it different ways. I've seen some people do some weird shoe tying sometimes. But, you know, they're doing and, and you pull apart to tighten up. Well, now it's going to be hard when your hands are bent off. But you might could find a way. It would take longer. Would it be frustrating? Oh, yeah. It'd be frustrating. It'd take longer. It's possible, but it's very inhibited. And I think that's what we miss out on. That's the effect that happens when things are bound up in our lives because it doesn't necessarily eliminate or stop the activity, but it severely limits and frustrates those areas of our lives. And the more frustrated that we get with that activity, I'm just going to pick on Jason for a minute. He's sitting there trying to get his shoelaces tied and he's realizing, I got to hurry up and get to work. But i got to get my shoelaces tied so I can get up and get to work. And then he starts thinking, and now I don't know how I'm going to drive. This is going to be, this is going to be, and if he's got a stick shift, he's out of luck. That's going to, oh, yeah, hey, it's going to be, I mean, he starts thinking through all the stuff. And about that time, he's thinking through, I'm going to be late to work. I still can't get my shoelaces tied. I'm struggling through this. I don't know how I'm going to drive. I don't see, because it started affecting other stuff than just the initial task that we had. And then little C walks up. Hey, Dad, give me a minute. I'm trying to get something done. And y'all know, little C. Hey, Dad, just hold on for a minute. Look, hey, Dad, 
right? <laughs> but dad, dad, hey, dad. And what happens? You just get frustrated. And so now, something, <laughs> and now he can still clobber somebody. Listen, he had nothing to do with this. He has nothing to do with him having duct tape on his hands. He has nothing to do with that, that you got to tie your shoelaces. He has nothing to do with that you're going to be late to work. He has nothing to do with you're going to be struggling to drive. And maybe he's really got something that he needs. And what happens? What do y'all do? Let's just be honest. What do we do? Snap. Don't let me tell you one more time that you just need to go over and sit down and I need you to... Hook. All right, now y'all know some of, me, now some of you go, I would never do like that. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, have you ever noticed when you were going through that difficult relationship or, or you had financial stuff that was just weighed you down like that debt that you're needing to pay off and whatever else, because I've been there, man... Uh, have you ever noticed how difficult it is to do the normal things of life when that's going on? Yep. And then we wonder and we think that, well, then how are people going to be spiritually healthy if, if you're wrestling with this thing that has you bound up in some other area of your life? It's difficult for you just to do normal things, and then we're thinking you're just supposed to be running around with the joy of the Lord and, and all excited and all this stuff when you're bound up. You're not really free when you got things that are bound up like that. But, but look, okay, so, but life's not really going to be free of challenges and obstacles and tests and trials and burdens and problems, right? I mean, it's not really going to be that way. We're not, and, and I think that's one of the challenges is that there's been an unrealistic statement that's kind of been pushed and concept that's been pushed by the faith community and it is almost this idea of, well, you just must not be right with God. You must be short on faith. You must not be trusting and believing. You need to sow a seed. I hate that one, by the way. You just probably need to sow a seed for your deliverance. Now, I promise if you could sow a seed for deliverance, I'd put, a, I'd put flower pots all across the front of this place and go, here, you just need everybody. Need. If that was the answer, man, I would not withhold that from you. I'd be going, look, bring your $10 and sow a seed and get set free. That's not how this deal works. But, but that's what kind of has been promoted. So, so what's happened in the faith community is we don't want to talk about the things that have us bound up. We don't want to look at each other and say, man, I'm struggling with this or, or this has really got me where I don't know how to deal with this in my life because it, what we've promoted is, well, then you must not be right with God. Well, then you must, not be, you must not be praying enough. You must not be this enough. It's viewed as a very negative thing about what you must not be. And while we are going to talk about some things that we need to do to get to that place, there has to be that freedom for us to admit the reality of that life, no matter how good a follower of Christ you are, no matter how disciplined you are in your life, no matter all those things, there is still stuff going to happen. The company may go under. The, the car gets in a wreck. The starter goes out wherever Terry is. All of that stuff, this stuff just happens. 
So that's a reality of what we have to deal with in it. We've got to find some spiritual truth about. And what I've, what I've seen in the faith community is predominantly is, is two different camps, but I want to be in a third one that we're going to have, but the two different camps, and the one is pretend like we're never supposed to have worry, fear, or concerns because it'll take Scripture and misrepresent it. All right? You'll hear people go, oh, the Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I 100% agree. The Bible absolutely says that is absolutely clear that that's what it is. We're going to talk about fear here in a moment because that gets you bound up, but we're going to talk about that. But then we use that to say that's why you should never, never, there should never be fear in your life. That's not what the Bible said right there. He just said that when that comes, it didn't come from God. And we have to recognize the truth of where things come from so that we can say, I don't have to receive that. Oh, man, that's better than what y'all got right there. I'm just telling you right now. I, I told somebody here recently, somebody called me and they wanted, had a conversation with me, uh, not from here and not from even this area at all, out of state, and, and a, a friend, and, and they called and said, I want to know what you think about this, this person that's very remotely and very distantly connected to us, made this statement about me. And I said, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Is it true? I said, well, obviously not. No, that's not true. I said, okay. Do you really care what that person thinks about you? And they said, well, no. And I said, does anybody that you know really care about what that person thinks about you? They said, no. I said, is that person saying that going to change what you're doing every day? And they said, no. I said, then why are we talking about this? I understand why we're talking about it, but I'm just trying to, you know, get you. Why are you? If they don't really matter to you, if their opinion doesn't really matter to anybody else, and if it's not going to change what you're doing, don't worry about it. I understand that it's come, but let's deal. Because you don't have to receive that. That's why he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So when fear comes, we're able to look at it and go, that's not from God. I don't have to receive this. It's coming at me. It's trying. It's a natural thing. But I can look at it and say, I see fear rising up in me, but I don't have to receive this because this is not of God. And I'm not taking gifts from strangers. It's what we always tell our kids, right? We tell them, don't take candy from strangers. We need to quit taking fear and stuff like that from strangers because it's not coming from God. You don't have to take stuff from strangers. The other group is the people that just wallow in it. They wallow in that worry, that fear, and that concern. Oh, but what if? Oh, but what if? Oh, but what if this happened? Oh, but what if, that, what if this happened and then that happened and then that happened? And you just want to go, dear Jesus, what if none of that happens? Now, I've had to deal with that because I'm a planner. Not like plant, like planner, you know, two ends, not, not with the T in there. I like to plan stuff. Right? And so, and, and a, a lot of guys are that way. Not every guy, but, and some of y'all wish that your guy was a little more like that, but... But a lot of guys, we like to plan stuff, you know, because that's we got to have a task list and we go through. So, man, I, I think through old saying, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. You know, so, man, I've got a plan A, plan B, and a plan. Oh, man, we're in trouble. 
<laughs> you know. But sometimes, and that's what, so when we're not careful, that's, I think that's why the Bible talks about it. it says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure and honest and of good report and all that, it says, think on these things. Why? Because if you think on the bad, if you think on the negative, now it's not denying the reality or the possibility of negative. I think it's foolish for us to look at our world and say, hey, if we don't do something about this, our community is going to get completely fractured. But we don't have to look and go, oh my goodness, what if this happens? And what if? And ah! No, we need to look and say, hey, if we don't do something, so now let's go do a positive thing. Let's think on what's true and honest and of good report and know that Jesus is the answer. We used to have that song. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other because Jesus is the way. But I want us to look at what the true plan for freedom is. I want to show you a couple verses. Actually, I'm going to read you a couple of verses. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Listen to this. Casting all your care on him, because he cares about you. Because he cares about you. First John chapter 4 verses 16 through 19 says this, and we have come to know and to believe. Listen to that. We've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, for we are as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Man, that is a powerful... I'm, I'm dropping you back to 18 right there to see that for a moment. But I want to I give you two things. It's so important that we recognize two powerful things out of these scriptures. Number one. He said, cast your care on Him because He cares for you. Here's an underlying truth out of that then. Cares existed. They were there. It existed. There was something that I looked up to see what's the sense of the original language word that was used there for cares. And it says, that which causes one to have care or concern. So it's not just saying, oh, I care about this. It's like you say, oh, I care about my children. It's not that. It, it's the real deal. It's a concern thing. He doesn't say, you should not have concerns. What he says is, when you have concerns, cares rise up in your life. Cast that on God. Turn that over to Him. Why? Because most of the time, you know what the truth is? The truth is that, that we can't control it anyway. 
We want to, and that's why we start getting off into this, this worry and all this stuff, because we can't really control it. We can't change it. How many of you ever tried to change what your adult child does or thinks? Some of you don't have an adult child, so you know, you got close enough. You got adult children, because I he's a young man. And we got JC, young lady. And actually they're they're getting close back there in the back. Look at them. They're like, high five, Pastor. Mom, the pastor said we, we were. <laughs> Look, if you've ever tried to change, I mean, how many, you, somebody tried to change you when you were a, you became a young adult and you were off doing anything? I guarantee you at some point, somebody tried to convince you that you needed to do something and you were like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do my own thing. Somebody tried to tell you, don't do this, don't do that. And you, no, 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 I got it. I'm on it. Cares existed or else you wouldn't have to cast them on to God. He doesn't condemn people for that a concern comes up. He doesn't condemn them. He just says, here's what you need to do with it. It's going to happen. In this world, think about it elsewhere in the Bible. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. But you don't have to fear. See, he doesn't say these things aren't going to happen. And, and I will stand up and argue that anyone who encourages people to say, oh, you can walk in this spiritual life where the nothing just hits you and nothing buffets you and nothing challenges you and all that. Man, I ain't got time for that Osteen stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, did that just slip out? That slipped right out. I, I'm sorry. We don't have time for that because that's not real life. That's not real spiritual life. It's not that, oh, God's going to make everything go away now because if it just all went away... Man, that wouldn't be. But what he does is he says life is what it is, but I'm going to give you one that is greater in you than that which is outside of you. So that in the midst of this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because you're with me. It's not about where I am. It's not about what's happening to me. It's about who is with me and who is in me that is stronger and more powerful and can control and can impact what is outside of me. The second thing that I saw in those two passages is that obviously fear came up. Why? Because if you look, that's why I left it on this verse. Why would it be necessary to drive out fear if fear was not there? Fear was there, so he had to drive out fear. So, and he says, so the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. Now, that's, he's not trying to be condemning there. He's just trying to speak a truth to encourage and help us to be able to say, look, when fear rises up, this is what my prayer would be. When fear rises up, I would pray and say, God, let me understand the perfection of your love because I will never love you in perfection. Not in true profession because I, I don't have that ability. And you're going to strengthen me and encourage me, but I'm going, to, I, I'm going to stumble some along the way. That's just a reality, guys. There's going to be moments where I waver in, in having perfect love for God. So I don't even look at that as being something that's not an expectation. The perfect love is what He has toward us. I would be terrified, fear, if... It was dependent on me having perfect love for God to drive out my fear. Because I would be afraid that I couldn't have perfect love. <laughs> 
But instead, it is allowing His perfect love to come into us that drives out the fear which allows us to experience more of His love and trust in Him because we don't have to be afraid. Whom shall I fear? God is on my side. But yet, it lets me have the confidence and the, and the, the consolation, if you will, to recognize that fear may come up in me, but I have to allow his perfect love to drive it out, to drive it out of me. Cares, fears, obstacles, and trials come against all people. All people, regardless of their spiritual status. Can I get an amen on that? It's time that the faith community stop making people feel like, well, in a blanket statement, in a blanket statement, from trying to make people feel like, well, if something has come up in your life. You remember what? There, there was a time where some people asked Jesus, right? They asked Jesus about this thing. They said, what did this man's parents do wrong that caused him to be blind from birth? And he said, nothing, ne- neither them nor him, because or- they wanted somebody had to have done something wrong. See, church ain't really changed <laughs> since the very beginning. Oh, something happened to you? Must be because you're not doing right. Now, sometimes, let's just be honest, there are some times in life where what happens to us is brought on by the choices that we make and the things we do. Look, if you go somewhere you shouldn't be, then something's liable to happen to you that doesn't need to happen. If you spend some money on something you shouldn't have spent it on, you're liable to lose it. If you go do things you shouldn't do, you're liable to end up in jail. All right? I mean, some of that stuff is just going as a reality. Okay? But that's not a blanket thing to say, oh, well, everybody in the church, if something bad starts happening, oh, my goodness, they got sick. They must be weak in their prayer life. Oh, my word. Yeah, they got hidden sin. You need to confess whatever it is so that God can heal you. Man, come on. Let's move past this stuff of trying to condemn people to focusing on Christ and being able to say, this stuff is going to come against everybody, but you have a help. You have an answer. You have someone who will come alongside you. This is the difference. Those who place their faith in Jesus and have surrendered their lives to him have a source of hope. They have a source of support on whom they can rely perfectly during these issues. And this is the truth that brings out the heart of what we first read today. That it's those whom the Son sets free who are really free. This statement dawned on me as I was preparing this. and just, God just kind of dropped this into my, my heart. Spiritual freedom is not found in the absence of these issues, but in the presence of a stronger being while we are in the middle of those issues. You can be right in the middle of that issue and be freer than you have ever been in your life. Because the freedom is not contingent on the external circumstances. The freedom is about what is inside you and recognizing the presence of God who has truly set you free, even in the middle of something that is beyond our control. Amen. 
Too often we've encouraged people that it's about the absence of issues that shows your spiritual life or it shows that you're somehow right with God or that, that everything's going or you're doing the right things or whatever. And so we've created condemnation for people that they and then embarrassment and people get out of church and everything else because, well, my goodness, this stuff is going on and people are going to think that there's something wrong in my life and all this stuff. Look, if there is something wrong in your life, show up. Because this is where people ought to be to be able to say, hey, been there. I've done some of that, but yet God has delivered me and helped me through it. And even if I haven't been through exactly what you're going through, there are other things that I've struggled through in my life. And it was only by the grace of God that he saw me through. I was afraid. I had this fear. I had this concern. I had these cares. And I had to grow and mature and learn to turn that over to Jesus. And I'm so thankful that people helped hold me up when I would have fallen down while he was strengthening me and I was submitting and, and in being encouraged by him. It's not going to be the absence of issues. In fact, I believe that oftentimes we find that God gets glory because when normal life happens to us and people look at our lives and say, well, this is where they should be. They should be Distraught, they should be this, they should be that, they should have just be in a frantic state of mind, they should be in a chaotic, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and all this. And and yet, even in the midst of you not knowing for sure what you're gonna do, yet you turn and say, But I'm gonna cast my care on him. I'm having to pray and ask him to help me do it. Because it's easier to say it than it is to do it. It's not easy. But yet I'm going to and I'm determined to. And I'm going to little by little, I'm going to keep surrendering and going. And I'm going to be praying, God, help me. Think about passing where he said, he said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. God, I am going to do my best to surrender parts of this to you, but help me to release it all to you. Because fear is going to come, because the challenge is going to come, because all these things are going to happen. And, and, it's, and, and early on when I start down that path, I'm, I'm going to struggle to turn some over. But hopefully, God, the longer we go and the more that I mature, I'm not going to be looking for the absence of the problem, but I'm going to, in the presence of the problem, look for the presence of my answer. We start looking for where can I run to that gets me out of the problem when we need to be saying in the middle of the problem, where can I look to to run to God? Because He's the solution. The solution's not always going to be that He's going to take us and pick us up out of that and set us over where it's not there. But yet it is that He will give us freedom and that He will give us peace and that He will give us a reliance on Him to be able to say, God, it doesn't matter. I know it may hurt. I know it may be a struggle. God, I don't know. You may, my job may go away or God, this may happen or that may happen. I don't know. But I know I'm going to hold on to you. Today, I want to ask you. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. I want you to think about whether or not you're free. You know, the first thing that I would always have to ask in something like this is whether you've received the freedom that comes from believing in and confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because if you haven't, 
You can't, you can't ask for God's presence when you don't want him in your life. He's not, he's not the, uh, you know, the emergency rescue button. He's not the, oh, I get to go along and do my thing, and I just know while I'm here on the party boat that there's a life preserver and a life raft over there, and he's going to be my life raft. And, and, you know, but I want to be over here hanging out at the party bar. But if the ship starts to sink, Oh, I can run over and go, give me a life preserver. That's not the way he works. That's not the way this works. But he does say things like, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He does say, cast your cares on me. I'm making that one personal. There you go. Because I know it says cast your cares on him because he cares. I'm telling you, God inspired it so if he was speaking it instead of asking somebody else to write it, he would have said, cast your cares on me. Why? Why, you say? Because I care for you. 